Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. You can follow me there on Twitter. And this is the show where we go over yesterday's slate, review some strategies, go over today's actual. We actually get a decent slate today. Yesterday was was two games. Two games, two blowouts. Of course, of course that happens. It's NBA during COVID season. So you have to assume that at least half the games blow out for no apparent reason. So that was the two game slate yesterday. But today we got a 10 game slate, which at, at it's now 11 in the morning Eastern. Uh, maybe it turns out to be an eight game slate. We, ne- we never know. We never know with these cancellations and the uh, co- contact tracing, uh, you know, half the team is out. But as, as of right now, uh, everything looks Good to go. So I look in the YouTube chat. You do two people. You're, you're always my favorite people. You're here live. You get to ask the questions. It's kind of like a little, little school in the morning. It's like a DFS little teaching class in the morning. Of course, you could still listen on the podcast feed. Search in iTunes, DFS pregame show, rate and review it there. But you do people, you come here and, uh, and, and I interact with you. So I see card fan. I see Trey McRae. Dustin Hogue, Alan Alexander, Meat Plow 9398. Okay, if you want to be called Meat Plow, that's fine with me. Uh, I, I got I got the apple juice. Today's a special day. Well, it's, it's a special day because I didn't, I didn't, uh, the, my wife stores the apple juice, like only puts one pack of apple juice in the refrigerator at a time. And then we have like, like, it's because we get by in bulk. So I forgot to put the new pack of apple juice in the refrigerator. So I still, so I, I had to use one of the apple mango ones. So I got apple mango. It's a special day. It's inauguration day. I'm inaugurating the mango into the apple. It's it's really mango juice. You really have to taste this. It's mango juice that they just put apple on it and it, it doesn't taste any different. So if you want to keep this cold, smash those thummy thumbs, get your thummy thumbs ready in, in the YouTube chat. Uh, hit the su- subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live on this channel, but yesterday, yesterday, uh, an exhilarating two-game slate. Two-game slate all at the same time. You'd think, you'd think the NBA would schedule that better, right? We're only going to have two games. But okay, I guess we just play them both at the same time. What's fine. It's a nice two-and-a-half-hour sweat, and you're done. And it turns out that uh, Astronaut 42, uh, he had a unique lineup. One, one bullet, unique lineup, and he didn't play anyone that was under under 14%. I don't, I don't know how that happened. Uh, well, I mean, I know how that happened. Essentially, you know, you play for both teams to blow each other out, right? So Utah Utah bl- uh, got blew them out and then Denver blew them out and you were able to get the two cheap pieces of OKC that did well and then you win. And there you go. I mean, even if you look at the lineup over here, you still got, uh, well, Zion ended up, okay, 47% don't. He put up enough points. Able to get there with Clarkson, Right, even this, like 14%. You needed Millsap. Essentially, you needed Millsap and you needed Dort. And you needed Roby at his price at 32 points. So you can put those those things together uh, on a two-game slate. It's uh, You didn't need, you didn't see, uh, even on a two-game slate, you didn't need the like the, the guy on the back of the bench. The 1% owned guy, even a Hubro. 4% Ingles. Okay, here we go, Ingles. And, he only, and Ingles really only put up, what, a little over 5x? Like raw points mattered on, on, on short slates. Raw points matter. So 306 won, won the large field GPP. It's a two game slate. And like no one really crushed other than, other than Millsap. 
take a look at some of the lineups here. You're 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 a, you're a CNE cream, your acne cream. Okay, I, I I have to. You should put capitals so I could I could read that better. Your acne cream. I don't know what kind of name is that, but whatever. You had Conley in there. See, Conley didn't get there, but you still needed the raw points. So if you played some of the OKC guys like SGA or George Hill or Baisley, I mean, they didn't get their last, they didn't get their last rotation. So you were dead with them, right? And then if you played the Denver guys and then still Monty Morris or, you know, off the bench, well, they played the rest of the game, most of the game. Well, I mean, then RJ Hampton came in for the last five minutes. So you didn't even get a full run of uh, Monty Morris. But now Hubro seemed to do well, sixth place, had Josh Harden there. Right, he came in sixth place with a Josh Hart for the barely, barely over four X, because you needed the raw points. You needed Jokic. You had fifty six just for raw points. Mitchell, Gobert, Millsap. You needed just as long as you got the raw points, you were fine. Now, in 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 other slates, two game slates, we may not see uh, a solo, not one percent owned guy type of lineup, but it just the situation happened yesterday where. You could have made this. It just it's amazing to me that this used all of the salary, didn't use any player that was under 14%, and it was still unique in a contest with 59,000 entries. That to me, that's amazing. It but it shows that it doesn't take as much as you think to be unique, even on a two-game slate. It, it this is all also this is one a one slate sample size. This may not happen as, as this doesn't happen as often as as you think, where Wow, I can't believe this wasn't duped, right? Because even some of these lineups up here, like we have here, 297.5. This was duped three times. P.J. Dozier. See, and it's, it has even more people like Clarkson's in here. Monty Morris is in here. See, P.J. Dozier was chalky at his price. Then we have a duped lineup here at 297. Gary Harris in it. But, it, but you don't see like like single digit owned people because it's hard because people's the players they still need to they still need to get minutes on the on the court like it's hard to get raw points on a two game slate playing a guy that's only going to play what three minutes right Muscala was the bust yesterday right he did two points two and a half points he was at minus one at the half so if you played him you got screwed here's another a hub row lineup with Josh Hart in there so if Josh Hart would have done any better like he would have won. One with the six percent on Josh Hart, but it's not like play. It's not like playing Josh Hart on a two-game slate is like nutso, right? He plays. He plays what twenty-eight to thirty minutes, twenty-four minutes. I mean, something, something like that. So you're still not playing. You're not playing the guys that are you know coming in, you know, after the blowout, even on a two-game slate. It's more likely that you're that you need raw points enough. You should be sticking to at least at least the guys on the second unit. But I see so many people like, oh, I, I'm going to play. I'm going to play the third center. I'm going to play the third point guard. It's like it's, it's not going to happen that often. I guess you can in large field. Yes, I guess you can make lineups with them, but it's not something that you should be first going to. Like, how how do I get nutso nutso? Like, get nut get the first nutso, get a little nutso, but you don't have to go nutso nutso. So I don't know how you, how you guys did in the in the YouTube chat yesterday in the two game slate. I I didn't do. I I played uh, I played a little less volume on smaller slates. I reserved the right. That's why I put that little tilde here about ten percent, right? But on, on the shorter the slate, the more the variance, right? So I I didn't do all that well, right? Ah, one on Yahoo at least. 
right? Got off, got off the little streak uh, losing on Yahoo. Well, two game, two slate streak losing on Yahoo, but still, you know, lost fifty five percent on Fanduel, seventy six percent on DraftKings. And this is DraftKings primarily due to minus one Mascala and SGA in my lineup, and then Fanduel because I uh, didn't have Zion in the power forward spot, so that kind of crushed me over there. So grab comes down a little, but this is this is the life cycle of a of a cash game player. It goes up, it goes down. Goes a little round, it turns around, it does a little spin, right? Then hopefully by the end of the season, you're you're up over here somewhere. Hopefully, hopefully over here. But I'm tracking this the entire way through. Tracker.theoryofdfs.com. If you want to follow along with me, it's public. So in the YouTube chat, remember you can ask your questions anytime you want in the YouTube chat. I will scroll back. So as I talk, I, I'll look through. See if there's any interesting questions. I mean, talking about today's slate is not, I mean, who do I play? Well, I mean, as of, as of right now, I mean, we have Luka projected well, Vucevic projected well, Lillard, Morant, Wood. Like, Xavier Tillman is probably going to be the chalk value with Joe Val out. But you never know. It's a 10-game slate, and it's 11 o'clock in the morning. By 5.30, by that injury report at 5.30, then who knows? It happens every day. We're not going to be stuck in this spot. Something's going to come up, right? Embiid is probable. Who knows? Maybe that turns out that he doesn't play, right? Maybe someone sits that we don't we don't realize. Three guys are out for no apparent reason. So so this is the 9.08 a.m. projection. So this is, this is very early, very early type of stuff. So if you could avoid the uh, do I play this guy type of questions, Talk more about general NBA DFS strategy. Okay, so Meat Plow, Meat Plow. Do I have to call you Meat Plow? Is that a name, Meat Plow? Did you put that on your resume, right? Try to get a job? Do I call you Meat or Mr. Plow? I have no idea. I plan on entering three single entries and wanted to know if you hedge your other lineups in large slates or enter the same lineup multiple times. I play all unique lineups to lower the variance. Okay, because the contests will be correlated to each other, most likely, which means if you play one lineup into three different single entry contests of a similar size, the lineup that if you win one contest, it's very likely that you win the other two also or come in second or something. The contests are correlated with one another, which is fine. It just increases your variance. If your lineup does badly, it'll do badly in all three contests. So you lose all your money, right? So that's what variance is. The range of, of your outcomes is going to be wide. But you could do extremely well. You could win all three, make uh, make five figures, whatever the, whatever the hell. Or you could have three shots at winning one of them. And it doesn't matter. That, that, that's what I do to reduce the variance. There's no correct or incorrect way to do it. There's no, the EV of a lineup is independent, so it doesn't matter. You can play three different lineups into three different single entry contests. That's what I do. My goal is to win one of them. I don't care which one of them, just one of them. So I give myself three shots to do so. Now the players could be overlapping in them. It's not like it's eight different players in each of the three lineups, but it's three different strategies in order to win one of them. And one of them is first place and one of them is $10,000. And I just want to win once, right? If the, if the first place in one is 15,000, the second is 10,000, the third is 5,000. Yes, if you have the one lineup that wins all three, 
You may make 30,000, but you could also lose it all. You could also have min cash one, you probably min cash all three. My goal is I want to, I want to, I want to reduce the variance in my play because I'm playing so much, right? I'm playing every day. I'm playing all the slates. I'm playing everything. So I want to increase that sample size. So to reduce the variance, I play all unique lineups. I even do that when I build multi-entry builds. I'm going to play 50 lineups in the, the uh, excellent eights or whatever. Then I'm going to play 20 lineups in the 20 max. I'm not taking the top 20 lineups out of my 50 build of that and putting it also in that other contest. I'm, pl I'm playing 20 unique. I'm making 70 lineups. Because my goal is to just have one lineup win one of these GPPs. Whatever ones they're in. I'm going to give myself the most amount of shots as possible and reduce the variance in the process. That doesn't make it correct. It just makes it lower variance. So don't get into the, the aspect of, well, I, I'm going to do what Jordan does. It's like, well, I mean, do you want to reduce your variance or do you want to increase your variance? Me, I, I play at such higher volumes than most people that my goal, my goal, I don't mind sacrificing a little expected value a little EV to reduce my swings, right? If we take a look, even in cash games, I mean, this is the reason why I have this mix. 60%, about 60% head-to-heads, 35% double-ups, 5% triple-ups. Because when you play double-ups, typically the double-ups are correlated with each other. If you win, if you, if you, if you do well in one double-up, you're going to do well in all double-ups practically. Except if you're on like the, if you're on the line, sometimes you're in some and sometimes you're out some. But if you're 18th out of 23rd in a double up, you're probably 18th or 19th or something in all of the 23 man double ups. So if you can enter $500 worth of double ups, you're either going to double to a thousand most of the time or go to zero. Head to heads, you could beat some people and then lose to other people. So it's lower variance here. But since I'm playing, and then I play across all three sites, right? So some days I'm playing a guy on FanDuel, but I'm not playing them on DraftKings. Right, so my my player correlation is going to be lower, so it also reduces the variance. So instead of playing the best possible lineup on every site in double ups only, like then my swings would be like, well, I'm up three thousand, down three thousand, up three thousand, down three thousand, like every day, versus up eight hundred, down four hundred, up twelve hundred, down two hundred. At the end of the day, it's going to get to almost the same point but the swings are going to be lower. So depending on how you manage your bankroll, you should be focused on either maximizing your EV or reducing your variance or the combination of the both. If you're trying to get lucky, you don't, you don't mind increasing your variance. Take a shot, right? I'm going to play the 888 today. Okay, you shouldn't be doing that every day because now, now you're greatly increasing your variance compared to your bankroll size, which means you're, more likely to go broke. But sometimes you can go the opposite way. I tend to go the opposite way too much. I consider that to be a bit, bit of a leap where I play too conservatively. Not conservatively with the lineups, but conservatively with my, with my bankroll. I don't take enough shots. But I probably, I mean, this is cash games, but based on my tournament results, that's quite possible. I've left, I've left 100, 200,000, 300,000 on the table the past five years because I didn't take many shots and I don't take many shots, but it's also possible that I, 
instead of winning 300,000, I would have gone broke. Yeah, you wouldn't have even been seeing me. I'd be I'd be homeless in the street or something with that. Drinking my apple mango juice, of course. I'd I'd always I'd always keep the apple juice. Hagan Hopkins asks, on a 10-game slate, how likely are you to fade a team or game completely? Oh, very likely. It depends on how that game and that and those players are projected. Right? We could look through here. A lot of times, and a lot of times, most time, nearly every time, we don't have we don't even have lines for some of these games yet. I'll go through. So I'll 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 go through lineup HQ, which is a premium tool. You get lineup HQ, you get the premium projections. I think you're set for anything you ever wanted to do in DFS, especially NBA. Projections are great. So you can get the premium stuff here at Roto-Grinders by clicking on the link in the description. Rotogrinders.com slash premium. Get your $10 off your first month. You can get just NBA, just single sport, or you get the whole, whole combo package that includes everything but NASCAR. So don't do that. And you get the same thing. Everything that I'm showing is, is is part of our premium product. But I'll go through. I'll go through Brooklyn. I'll go, nope, Brooklyn doesn't project well because Kyrie's back. And then every, like, it seems like everyone's too expensive now, right? So I'll, I'll go through. I'll sort by RGV or smash percentage and see what teams project well. Obviously, they're probably going to end up being the more owned teams. We'll have ownership at some point later today. But that's why I'm just going to get a sense of, okay, Brooklyn overpriced, Cleveland overpriced, right? So this is a game that I'm more likely to, to just X off, right? This is based on our 908 projection. I look at Dallas and I go, okay, Luca. Everyone else is kind of eh, meh, but how about Indiana? Okay, we got Sabonis and Brogdon, which is expected. So I could, I could see, okay, I could see playing Luca on one side and one of these guys on the other side, right? Because Miles Turner is questionable. If Miles Turner's out, I, these guys kind of move up. TJ McConnell has a has a decent enough smash percentage for 3,800. So maybe that's a that could be a value play for a GPP. But I'm going through Boston. Nah, not really. No one really projects that well. But Tristan Thompson's okay. Right? He's okay over here. Philadelphia, you got Embiid and pretty much no one else. So I'm like, okay. Go through Detroit. Jeremy Grant. Jay's doable. Plumley is okay, I guess. Then look at Atlanta. You know, Trey Young. Not really much else to, to look at. So I'm just going through. Like, this is what I would do for each of the games. Go through and see what games project well, what players project well in these games. Well, then I look at the Brooklyn-Cleveland game and go, at these projections, on a 10-game slate, there are better options. Now, if I look at this and I see people that are like 2% owned, maybe then, maybe then I start considering them, even at, at poorer projections. But I'm going game by game to see. I, I, I base everything I do off of the projections. So I could cross this game. That most likely, I will cross this game out. Assuming that Kyrie is in and Garland and Sexton are in, the value in this game is, is not really there. Now, if it was a three-game slate, then and yet now you're almost forced to having to consider some of these guys. But we're going to have way more options. We have 20 teams on this slate. So maybe Brooklyn-Cleveland is a game that, that that I don't play as of now. Once you start taking people away, if Kyrie's not going to play today, if uh, if uh, Garland and Sexton aren't going to play today, well, down now they're projections. And now they, all these other guys end up being projected better for their salary. So I don't mind crossing off games completely. 
It, it depends on how the players are projected. Let's see. Going through the YouTube chat, uh, Will Hoverman asked about getting the Excel template that I use for the uh, the bankroll tracker. The best thing to do is to either go into the uh, Roto Grinders Discord or DM me on Twitter. I could send you a link, uh, like a Dropbox, you know, a share link if you want. If you want to use that in Excel, right? I think you have to. I still think if you import it because it's a Google Sheet. And it doesn't like translate completely. I think you probably have to fix like, like, like quotation marks on, on some of the functions, but it should work. It should work in Excel too. Uh, Daniel asks, if you are 50, 50 on a one V one or two V two, do you lean towards the side that plays later in the night for optionality? I could def no, that's, that's a definite consideration. Doesn't mean I always lean on that side. No. I first, when, when we're considering a 1v1 or a 2v2, it's not just like the players. It's, well, what's the ownership of those players? What contest am I, am I in? Which, and then what are my options later that I could switch to? So if I'm doing a 2v2 that involves later game players, well, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm saving that for optionality purposes, that impossible possibility, you have to figure out what that possibility is more likely to be. And if your 2v2 matches to that, because like, like if, if we're getting into a situation, I mean, I'm, I'll probably just make it up for today. Like what are the late games today? We got Memphis, Portland, right? Which is going to be a popular game. We got uh, Clippers, Kings. We got Warriors, Spurs. So let's say, for instance, I'm just going to, I'm just don't, this is not happening. Just I'm saying, for instance, we had a situation where the Spurs, uh, DeRozan was questionable. And if, and 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 for whatever reason, you know, Aldridge and Murray are underpriced. Well, if Aldridge is power forward center and Murray is point guard, if your two v two doesn't include and it fills all those spots, like you're not benefiting by the perceived optionality, right? Like if you're like, well, I could play uh, my two v two is in the small forward spot and the forward utility. It's like, okay, I could get Aldridge into the forward utility, but what, uh, what do I do in the small forward spot? What do I end up playing Ubre or something in this game or healed or like you have to or hood or something? I maybe may, so you have to plan it out a little. So it's not just, well, I'm going to play late game players because it gives me the option to like, if any late news happens, I could benefit from it. Well, which is true. But the second level of that is, well, figure out like, is your 2v2 conducive to those late swaps? Now, obviously, in this in today's slate, if you have Tillman in your lineup, if you have Lillard in your lineup also, if you have Paul George in your lineup also, now, well, now you have a lot of spots that, okay, maybe I could switch off a Lillard to someone else and move this and move George to Nick Batum so I could now get Aldridge and Murray. You know, like that, you could do a lot more switches then. But it's something that you should be thinking about. It's not something... That like all the time, oh, I have a 1v1. Oh, I, either do I play the seven o'clock player or the 10 o'clock player? I play the play the best player for the, for the lineup based on the projection and the ownership. But if it's really close, considering optionality going like, maybe there's something that opens up in the late games. But it doesn't mean you always should be doing that. It's just, it's just one of those things that you should consider. All of the things that I talk about on the show are 
are you have the balance. They're they're considerations, projection, correlation, leverage. They're all these are the variables, and you have to balance it. So it's not of oh always play the lowest owned player. Like no, always play the highest projected player. No, always play the most correlated player. Like no, always play the earliest or latest player. Like no, you have to weigh. It's like is the pre- yeah this guy is plays in the late game, but he's projected one point lower. And he's like 10% lower owned. Like, is it worth it to wait or is it worth it to play? Like you're always balancing those things out and there may not be a, an ultimate correct answer. You may be weighing things. There are five different things on five different players and the differences are this small. And they're so small where like, if you just put the five names in a hat and drew it out, it, it wouldn't be that bad of a method anymore because that's how close they are. So don't feel don't feel compelled to have to like like either this guy is the best play or he's the worst play. Never think in those absolutes of 100% or 0%. A lot of DFS lives within that 40 to 60% range. A lot of it. Really more more of it lies in that range than people think. That the difference between a good and a bad play is the difference between 40% and 60% rather than 90% and 10%. The difference, we look here, the difference between Vooch being, like, take a look at center, for instance. Let's go to center. Like, the difference between Vooch and Wood are separated by four points on a 50-point on a scale. So that's less than 10%. So that's 8%, about. Four points is a decent amount. But it doesn't make Vooch nine times a better play than Christian Wood. Right, it's more like a 60-40. 65-35, maybe. Adebayo, same thing. Like, what's the di- Like, look, look at these two. Wood or Adebayo? Well, Wood's 200 less expensive, right? And you get a little bit more. You get uh, 0.28 or something. Who's a better play? I mean, come on, really? Who's a better play between Wood and Adebayo based on, on, this, on this projections? I mean, it's practically a coin flip. Wood is a slightly better play, slightly. This is like 52.48. At bat, maybe not even, 51.49. So should you be thinking of like, no, you got to play Christian Wood over out of bio? No, no, it's not a 90-10. It's not a 100-0. So those are the things that you, when you balance these variables in your head of who to consider to put in the lineups into your contests, like a lot of these, a lot of these things are much closer than you think. The difference between Sabonis and Wood and Adebayo and Vucevic, like they're all viable. They all project well. Now the difference between Vooch and uh, Larry Nance, that's fairly significant, right? But even then, that's not a hundred to zero. That's not even ninety to ten. That may be like eighty to. So still 20% of the time, Larry Nance will outscore Nikola Vucevic. And that wouldn't be surprising. It'll happen 20% of the time or so. So getting into the mindset where these decisions that you're making in your lineups are not like, are not hard, are not like, it's definable to like, it's a hundred or zero. That there's nuance to it, that there, that there's, there's enough variance in NBA DFS that the difference between these three centers 
is much more marginal than you think. Even though Vooch, mathematically, is the better play, but how how much of a better play? Not all that much. So if, he, if Vooch ends up being 50% owned and Adebayo is 5% owned, truthfully in large field GPPs, it's better to play Adebayo. But he projects slightly less. Yeah, but you get 10 times less ownership. So it turns out that Adebayo ends up becoming the better play for GPP. That's what you're doing in DFS. Comparing players, building lineups. I mean, I built 100 lineups right here just for research. Defaults, whatever. And I see 100% Xavier Tillman. 92% Vucevic. Cam Johnson is showing up because obviously we need small forward value, I guess. Small forward, they have Devin Vassell. Oh, small forward's going to be a problem today. Rodney Hood, Eric Gordon, Jeremy Grant, if you want to pay up. Josh Jackson. Wow, small forward's going to be horrible today. Gary Trent. Who is available at small forward? Wow. Right, we take a look at this. Right, when when Nicholas Batum is showing up in, in the top 100 lineups, Devin Vassell? Are we doing that today? I don't think Xavier Tillman's small forward eligible, but they list him here. I think he's only power forward center eligible. Or is he small forward eligible? I hope he's small forward. If he's small forward eligible, that solves the problem. Nope. No, he's PFC. That's what I thought. He's PFC. But that's what I'm looking at. Like, I I, I know nothing about the slate. And I'm like, I'm just going to run the top 100 optimals. And go, wow, small forward is going to be a problem. So maybe you pay up there. Maybe maybe that's how you'd be different. You pay up at small forward. So who, do, who are options at small forward? So let's see. This is what I do when I when I talk about researching a slate. Okay, we got Jeremy Grant. We got Kawhi Leonard. Like, let's go by smash percentage. Eric Gore, okay, this is Hunter Brown. So let's say, like, did we get any Grant, Grant or Leonard? I think we got some Grant in top 100, right? If we go by small forward, we got some Grant, but got no, got no Kawhi. But let's say we go with some Grant. So now I'm going to look and I'm going to see, like, what's the highest projected Grant lineup? Because the highest overall is 284 or so. Top over, top Grant lineup is 282. Okay, so not bad. Paying up. But he's in the power forward spot over here. I almost want to force him into small forward. Just like if we pay up at small forward and just screw it. Don't have to deal with these, these Vassal, Johnsons, Hoods, all these guys. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go in here. And I can even line up HQ. Although he's multi-positional eligible... I get hard, I get hard code him into just small forward if I wanted to. So now that I got him into small forward, I'm gonna lock him in. Not so, I'm not saying Jeremy Grant's a good play today. I'm just I'm just experimenting. All I see is that small forward may be a very weak position today. Jeremy Grant, as of our 908 projections, projects as the best overall small forward play from a salary adjusted value. I mean, he's 7,700. So yeah, he's, he has to put up more than 40 points. So now I'm going to build 100 lineups. Locking in Grant in the small forward spot. Because so we got Tillman in the power forward spot. I don't Okay, maybe we play him. I just want to see. I just want to see what it comes up with 
if we just we just pay up, it's don't have to deal with the Cam Johnsons and the Devin Vassals. We still get still get plenty of Cam Johnson, right? We still get Tillman, Vooch, Morant, Lillard. Still get Cam Johnson. Cross now you need power forwards. Brandon Clark, Vassal, Josh Jackson, Wayne Ellington, Jared Vanderbilt. Okay, but let's say let's say okay, I don't want to play Cam Johnson, and I want to play Devin Vassal. Still, I'm going to lock in Grant. We're, I'm trying to see where other cheap value could lie that would be lower owned and not be small forward eligible. So like guards, I guess Derek Rose is a little cheap. That's where I guess that's where Ellington's coming up. So I'm going to build 100 lineups now. Doesn't mean I don't play Cameron Johnson or Devin Vassell. I'm just, I'm just looking. What are the possibilities? We've got a 282 lineup, 282 lineups here, 281. So these aren't that bad. Just that the range of outcomes on guys like Johnson and Vassal are going to be very wide. Okay. So let's see. We're down to 280. And then we start Jay Sean Tate. How, how, is, how is he coming up? Oh, he's, he's up high. He's, I don't think he's in that many lineups. Where, where, are, we, where are we going? Still get Josh Jackson, Derek Rose, Wayne Ellington. TJ McConnell, Solomon Hill. I'm never going to do that again, right? It still doesn't look, it still looks a little ugly, right? Playing three Grizzlies in the lineup, that that doesn't, that doesn't sound appealing. So I'm going through this and it's, it almost feels like even paying up at small forward, you're getting guys like Cam Johnson and Vassal anyway, because you just, now you're getting it a guard. Now you're getting Wayne Elligan, Right. Now, you, now you're getting T.J. McConnell. And it's like, you look at that and you're like, well, why don't I just fill a bad small forward spot with, with those guys, right? So let's take away Jeremy Grant. And we still have Johnson and Vassal out of here. And then let's see what happens. So we're not going to use Johnson or Vassal. And let then let's see what happens. I'm assuming we're going to get more Hood, more Josh Jackson, it's just going to be those guys just increased in exposure. That's what I'm assuming. Okay, so here we go. So yeah, yeah, a lot of hood, Elling, right, exactly. Okay, so it's going to, it's, and it still wants to give you, still in the top 100, third Jeremy Grant. If we could scroll all the way down to the top 100, down to 278, so it's still not that far away. Yeah, for a 10-game slate, this may end up getting quite ugly. That shooting guard, small forward spot. People may be, people may, what'll end up happening, this is why you research it also. What may end up happening is Tillman, if there's no value, like Tillman, guys like Tillman and Hood and Cam Johnson, if he starts again, like they're going to get heavy ownership. And with those types of guys, like who knows? So maybe it's a more balanced build. Maybe you don't play Vooch. So let's 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 do that. Let's experiment with that. I'm going to bring these two guys back. I'm going to take out Vooch. Right? Maybe maybe Tillman you play regardless. He's 3,500. He'll be starting probably playing 26 minutes. So like I may not I may not mind eating that. But let's let's get rid of. I mean we have Grizzlies up top. So but let's get rid of Vooch. Because the next centers that we're looking at 
are a little bit cheaper. You get some Wood, you get some Aiton, Thompson. So I'm going to take out Vooch, and then I'm going to run 100, right? So the top lineup with Vooch is like 284. How much projection are we giving up in lineups that don't have Nikola Vucevic in it? I'm expecting I'm I'm expecting this lineup to flip. That Thompson's going to be at center, and we're only going to have him. Yeah, we get Wood also. Okay, so I guess you're getting Thompson and Wood. Two eighty one point eight nine. So you're giving up a couple of points. You still have, you still need Cam Johnson. You still need Cam Johnson. Ugh, you're gonna still need Cam Johnson. Devin Vassell. Ugh, the small forward spot is gonna be nuts today. Gonna be nuts unless unless some guard value opens up. We get some, you know. I mean, obviously John Wall's not playing today, but you know, maybe maybe Depot doesn't play. I don't know why he wouldn't, but it, it, we don't know. It's eleven thirty in the morning. That's why you. That's why I'm doing this now. If you're listening to this later and it's five o'clock or you're watching this later on YouTube and it's five o'clock, like all of this, we may be, you may be listening to this going, why is anyone playing Cam Johnson? We have all the value in the world, right? Cause we don't know what's going to happen yet. Happens every day. It seems like some days it does. Some days you're stuck and you're like, I guess, I guess I got to play Cam Johnson, but for 10 games, I'm expect I'm expecting some, some shenanigans to happen that uh, this, that we won't necessarily have to roster some of the, some of these, some of these types of guys, but you never know. Jeremy Worley asks, how many median points should I be inclined to give up for large field and small field? What is considered large field and small field? And should I be more inclined to fade chalk and larger or smaller? It's, it's not about fading chalk. It's about building lineups. You could play a lineup with chalk. Like I mentioned, like I just showed you here. You could play lineups with Tillman. You could play lineups without Tillman. You can play lineups with Vooch. You can play lineups without Vooch. It's comparing projection and ownership to those situations. So, for instance, if I take out Tillman now, like I took out Vooch, I ran it. Now I'm going to put Vooch back in. Now I'm going to take out Tillman. For all intents and purposes, is as of now, the best value on the slate. But Tillman's been showing up in 100% of lineups. So now I'm just going to build. Now I'm going to stop it because it'll just build the top. 277. So that's how many points you're sacrificing by not playing Tillman. 277 to 284. So you're sacrificing seven points. So you can't, you can't get any more. You can't get any more. Any lineup without Tillman will be at least seven points below everything else. Now, in large field GPPs, you can make up those seven points on this type of slate with, with leverage, with, with uh, relative value. If Tillman duds, then the seven points, they, they disappear. But can you find a lineup that's three points away without Tillman? No, you can't. So that's why in order to come up with these numbers, when people ask, people ask me all the time, how many points should I sacrifice? The most, the most. Well, it depends on the slate. Depends on what the baseline is. So fading Tillman for leverage is viable. You're going to have to give up a lot of points for it. But if you're going to give up 15 points without Tillman and not get any ownership discount from 0.7 to 15, that lineup sucks. 
But the difference between giving up seven points and giving up 15 points, you need to get an immense amount of leverage elsewhere also. And those would be better for large field GPPs. But if you play small field GPPs, in order to get different and not play Tillman, you're going to have to, you, you, there's no way to not sacrifice at least seven points. So for this slate, in order to do that, that's vi- that seven points would be viable. But on other slates where if we did that and uh, the only difference was two points, then it would be two points. So it really depends on the players, on what they're projected and what the lineups look like. What's the baseline? The better the value is on the slate, the more points you're going to have to sacrifice for leverage on that player because they just project too well. And a lot of times you could choose to, I'm going to build lineups that don't have that guy and hope to make it all up in leverage. Perfectly fine. Or you could think the opposite way of, he projects too well. I'm just going to play him in all my lineups. That's perfectly fine also. Two different strategies. You can build half your lineups with them, half your lineups without them. Okay, you could do that also. But in an individual lineup without Xavier Tillman today, based on our 908 projections, you're going to have to sacrifice seven points. On another slate, seven points could be humongous. You would never want to sacrifice seven points. But on this slate, in order to get leverage off of Tillman, you have to. So that's why that's why there's no specific number. Some slates you could set in large field, you could sacrifice 25 points if you get enough leverage. Other slates, 25 points would be a death sentence, right? Sacrificing 25 points when there's like no screaming value or something like that. Like a lineup that it projects 25 points below that optimal may be like the 7,000th or whatever Beth's lineup. But Xavier Tillman can only appear in so many lineups before there's no, there's not an Xavier Tillman lineup and it's not going to be 7,000. It's going to be more like 700. And at that point in large field GPP, that's doable. So I hope you understand that concept. I talk about this in the Roto-Grinders Discord all the time. This is the whole thing around lineups, not players. So if you want, if you want to join me in the Roto-Grinders Discord, it's for premium members. Go click on the link in the description, get $10 off your first month. I answer questions in there. I'm active in there all the time. Going through on YouTube. If, you, if you're on YouTube, obviously, uh, hit that. Hit that thumbs up button. Let's see if the mango juice, I'm call, screw it. I'm calling it mango juice. They say it's apple mango, but if, no, it's more like mango and like we're going to put the label that says apple on it. Okay, let's see. Scrolling through some of the chat. Uh, Jake Lazarus, you asked a very, I think I just answered this question about sacrificing projection points for leverage. You're having a hard time determining when it's okay to sacrifice projection. Yeah, that's a, that's the balance. That's why going lineup by lineup and going on this slate, okay, I could sacrifice 10 in this lineup, but I can't sacrifice 10 in that lineup because it depends on the ownership of the lineup. You could sacrifice seven in this lineup because it's X owned, but in this lineup that you're sacrificing 10 points, you have to make, are you making those three points up in leverage? If if the lineup one is seven points off and the lineup two is 10 points off and they're going to be owned the same, you should be playing the one that's seven points off if they're going to be owned the same. 
But if the one that's 10 points off is owned half as much as the one with seven, you want to sacrifice three points to get half the, half the ownership of that lineup? Give it to me. Large field, give it to me. Can you find that lineup? I don't know. Depends on the slate. A lineup that's 15 points off. You have to get the appropriate amount of ownership discount to, pl- to sacrifice that much projection. And the relative value, the relativity of those points are dependent on the slate. That's why using lineup HQ as a research tool and seeing like what's what's the optimal number? What's the number without this guy? What's the number with this construction? To get a sense of what the, what the baseline is, what the range that you should be looking in for that specific slate. Tomorrow's slate will be completely different. The slate after that will be different also. It'll be different at 5.30 today. We're looking at it right now. Someone's out, projections change, and next thing you know, next thing you know, like, oh, there's no way I'm sacrificing 12 points here. Yet in the morning, you'd be like, okay, that this lineup is pretty good, right? Okay. Greg R says, it's often said that late swap is one of the biggest remaining underutilized edges in DFS. So having that optionality for late news or just after getting more info from early games seems important. Yes, it does. Is it something that you prioritize? No, but it's still something that you put into that that pile of considerations, those variables. So don't think just, oh, I'm just going to fade all the early games and just, because I have optionality. It's like, well, there's tons of good projected own, the projected plays and everything. I mean, don't purposely do it just for the sake of optionality. Uh, John and Lily Palms asks, are medians taken into account when the optimizer spits out lineups? Yes. That's what the median, that's what the, the projection is. These projections right here, this is the median. This is the 15th or so percentile. This is the 85th percentile, floor, ceiling. But the optimizer just cares about this number. That's it. The optimizer just, that's it. If, if, I, if I change that to 80, right? If I change Luca to 80, right? Just out of nowhere. Just don't screw it. This meeting's 80 today, right? I'm going to get him in like all my lineups, right? If I change that, right? Luca, 100%, of course. Yeah, because he project for 80 points. Even at even at 10 point, whatever K, you're going to be in all, you're going to be in everything, right? So it, it just takes into account the meeting. But you could even up here, you could build using the ceiling or the floor also. Right, you could switch. So if you want to, if you want to build using the ceiling combo, the co- the column, you could switch the ceiling. You could switch the floor and build based on that. That's a that's a new feature. That's a new option here on Lineup HQ over the past week that was added. Okay, going through. Uh, Mbang asks, do you start building your groups now, or you wait until you start building your first lineup? Typically, I wait. But I'm just, I'm just, I'm good at building groups. I could build groups very quickly. So if, if you're not used to building groups, maybe, maybe you start earlier. Maybe you give yourself an extra 10 minutes. But I, I've, I've built 20 groups in less than five minutes. So I'm going, I'm going team by team. Like I'm going, I'm clicking here. I'm going Dallas, Indiana. I'm going, who do I play? Okay. I play Luke. I play Sabonis Brogdon. Okay. So I go. Go Brogdon. I don't want Brogdon and, and, and Sabonis in the same lineup. And maybe if I play Luca, 
I want one of them. Maybe if I wanted to do that. So I'll go here, Brogdon, Sabonis, 1-1, one, one, and do something like that. And then go to the next game. Then go to the next game. So I may end up with 20 groups here doing that. I'm used to doing it. So like, I can think in my head very quickly and do the function. I've been using Lineup HQ for a long time. So yes, but if you, if you wanted to do this earlier, then do it earlier. But just always always realize that you'd still have to go back to it because things may change. You know, may not realize you did 27 groups of those types of things and then not realize that, you know, Miles Turner's out and now you have McDermott in your pool and then you're playing that and then you didn't change a group. So that's why I don't make those decisions until like an hour before lock. But it doesn't mean you can't get, get build the go in and do and do this for practice. If you're a premium member, you have lineup HQ, do it for practice. Doesn't mean you have to use those groups. Doesn't mean you have to use those lineups. But go in and practice. Practice makes perfect, right? Of course. Mike Grace says you could play Dieng today instead of Tillman, who has a large ceiling, just needs minutes, such as Clark foul trouble. Okay, that's, that's, that's an option. I mean, you have to hope for that scenario. What is the, does the, okay, I have to put it on, oh, Dieng. Yeah, 50, if he gets, if he gets 25 minutes instead, right? Then he's okay. It's not like great, but he's still okay. Because he's 4,400. If Jeng, if Jeng was like 3,200, that'd be a little, a little bit different. But I mean, Jeng is, is more expensive than Tillman on DraftKings. FanDuel, Tillman, they, at least they moved up to 4,600. I still think you play him there anyway, but yeah, DraftKings, they didn't move him up. So why would, like that, that, that's the only thing that you have to think is like, Jeng is 4,400 and Tillman is 3,500. I know Jeng's going to have like 2% ownership, but is it worth it enough? I think if Jeng was 3,200, I think that'd be a difference. I think, think it'd be more of a consideration. Uh, Brian Branscombe asks, so when you click Luca as a conditional player, it's telling the optimizer to include one of the indie guys when Luca is in the lineup. Yes, that's what that group meant. So I'll put that back. So what I'm going to say is I'm going to put Brogdon and Sabonis in the group. I'm going to make Luca the conditional, which is like the if statement. If Luca in lineup, then use... Minimum of one, maximum of one of Brogdon and Sabonis. If I did one, two, that means if Luke is in the lineup, use at least one or two. So I could have lineups that are Luca, Brogdon, and Sabonis. Or I could have lineups, if I set it at zero, one, it's just use at most. So Luca could be in a lineup without either of them, right? Minimum zero. But if Pacers are going to be in the lineup with Luca, it can only be one of them. So you could do that type of lineup. Or you could do, if Luca's in the lineup, I don't want either of them, right? Minimum zero, minimum, right. You could do that. You could put in all the pace. Let's say I, let's say Turner's playing. Let's say we have Turner playing. We have, uh, let's say McConnell's in there or something, right? You put, you put a bunch of Pacers in there. And you go, well, if Luca's in the lineup, I want to play at least one Pacer. Like at least one or two paces. So you look at this and you go, okay, if Luke is in the lineup, I want to play at least 
one or two of these guys. But then you take a look and you go, but I don't want two of them to be Sabonis and Turner together. So you make a second group and you just split out Sabonis and Turner. This is the easiest group to make, zero one. No conditional, just this is the group, players to use, max one. So now if I go into this group, if it's going to use one to two of these players, if it uses two, it's not going to be Sabonis Turner, right? Because I have this other group that stops that. So if I'm, it's going to use two of these players, maybe I don't want Brogdon and McConnell together either. That seems to not make any sense. So now I make another group of Brogdon and McConnell. So now it can use two. It can use one or two with Luca. It could be Brogdon Sabonis. It could be Brogdon Turner. Can't be Brogdon McConnell. It could be Sabonis Brogdon. It could be Sabonis McConnell, but it can't be Sabonis Turner because of these two other groups. So this is how you use groups in line of pitch game. If you want to do this, I mean, you may decide that I don't care and you don't make this group. You just like whatever shows up in lineups shows up in lineups. Or maybe you don't mind playing three of these guys in the same lineup. It depends on the slate. It depends on what you want to do. You're telling lineup HQ what you want to do. It's not telling you what to do. So you have to consider it like you're, you're hand building lineups. So you're, I'm using lineup HQ to hand build lineups more efficiently. And this is what you do in a hand built lineup. You'd go and go, why am I playing Brogdon and McConnell together? That makes no sense. They kind of come out with for one another. So I wouldn't want, even with a, in a Luca lineup, I wouldn't want to play them together. So you have to tell lineup HQ that. So you're going through and doing all of that. Let me get rid, let me, let me get, I always have to remember to get rid of the groups because then I start, I start working with lineup HQ and then wonder why the hell am I not getting this guy? Because I made an example on the show. We even have, uh, if you want to learn more about groups, we have uh, like tutorial videos on everything. I have, I have a whole MME process video in, in premium. So if you're a premium member, you get a, tons of videos on lineup HQ on all the different sports. Let's see. People are people going to stop talking about Kevin Herter's price today? We get it. We get it. They mispriced him. We get it already. We, we we've seen, okay. You're not the first one, <laughs> right? 9,500 or something, right? Isn't he like 9,500? Theater, right, projects for nine minus, <laughs> plus minus of minus 22, right, 9,500. They made a mistake. They don't know what it, oh, they could see the future. He's going to have a big game because they priced him up. No, they made a mistake. Okay, we get it. Make your little funny joke. We all made them. That's perfectly fine. Okay, any last questions before I get out of here for this morning? Feel free to thank uh, uh, Devin, our Fabulous multitasking producer in the in the chat. People are talking amongst themselves in the chat. That's perfectly fine. That's perfectly fine whatsoever. You could follow me on Twitter at BlenderHD. You could find all of these tools at Roto Grinders. The results DB is free. So you don't even have to be a premium member to look up results in the past. Study top players' lineups. You could check out my course. Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15-hour audio masterclass. All of these concepts are in there. So if you want me in your pocket all the time, 15 hours, all sports, all the game theory of DFS, just pick that up. Theory of DFS 
Dotcom, and uh, and we'll, we'll see what happens later today. Right? It's a it's a it's it's almost noon, and no, no big news is dropped. But we know we know we know. Five hours from now, everything that I looked at right now is going to change. It's not going to matter. Projections are going to update. People, it's going to be uh, a guy's going to be scratched after lock. It's NBA DFS. This this is what happens. So uh, so you better tune in later at uh, at five thirty. The Grinders live here on the Roto Grinders YouTube chat. Uh, you could have uh, it's the it's the OGs. It's the OGs today. So you got beer makers fan. You get notorious. You get head chopper. They're doing Grinders live tonight. Then at uh, at six thirty for premium members is Roth and Meansy for crunch for crunch time. And then there's there's a PGA show. I know. I, I don't know if that's premium or not, but there's PGA stuff going on also. So uh, so I'm always here. You missed out on a question? Just show up and show up again and ask again. I'm here every morning on YouTube, 11 a.m. Eastern for the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com. Yeah.